Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest Hello, Edwin. Hey, Andrew. Man, we, we kind of ran out of time. The clock was our enemy yesterday as we were talking about some of the hard things here in Psalm 21 talking about judgment and an assurance of judgment that's brought out in the second half of the psalm. Uh, so let's go back to Psalm 21 today. Let's, let's pick up some of that. I want to read from the Christian Standard Bible, and then I want to talk some more about this idea of judgment and, and our struggle with it, my struggle mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Lord, the king finds joy in your strength. How greatly he rejoices in your victory. You have given him his heart's desire and have not denied the request of his lips. For you meet him with rich blessings. You place a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked you for life and you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your victory. You confer majesty and splendor on him. You give him blessings forever. You cheer him with joy in your presence. For the king relies on the Lord. Through the faithful love of the Most High, he is not shaken. Your hand will capture all your enemies. Your right hand will seize those who hate you. You will make them burn like a fiery furnace when you appear. The Lord will engulf them in his wrath and fire will devour them. You will wipe their descendants from the earth and their offspring from the human race. Though they intend to harm you and devise a wicked plan, they will not prevail. Instead, you will put them to flight when you aim your bow at their faces. Be exalted, Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your might. So yesterday I was talking about verse 12 for just a moment, this idea of shooting at point-blank range right between the eyes. But uh, today as you're reading the Christian Standard uh, Version there, verse 9 talked about burning with fire. Mm. A fire that, what, was it devoured them, ate them up? How's verse Engulf nine? them. Engulf. Engulf. And, and fire will devour them. The Lord okay. will engulf them in his wrath, and fire will devour them. Fire will devour them. The wrath of God, and it is likened to an engulfing fire. In a fiery furnace. So this is, this is to me, shocking, mm-hmm. because when you think about people being engulfed in a fiery furnace, mm-hmm. what do you think about? Well, I, I, a couple of different things come to mind, okay? The, the furnace part jogs my memory to the three Hebrew children, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're delivered from the fiery furnace. But by and large, the fire, I, I think of judgment. I think about the fire and brimstone coming mm-hmm. down on Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, you know, God answering with fire when he, when he burned up the sacrifice for Elijah in Mount Carmel, and then mm-hmm. the uh, judgment on the uh, prophets of Baal. Mm, mm, mm. So that that first thing that you mentioned with uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, otherwise known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that that idea of fiery furnace, normally we're like, oh well, that sounds like Nebuchadnezzar. That would not be God. God would not do something like that. That's what that's what evil kings do. Mm. And so to see this attributed to the Lord or the mm. Lord's king. Remember right. yesterday we highlighted that this could be going either way. Either the Lord is doing this through the king, and the psalm is talking to the king, or it is directly to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Either way, it gets back to, wow, that sounds like an evil king, not the good king that we know and love. And so that's that gets us back to this whole thing that judgment doesn't sit well for us. 
It doesn't. And yet. And yet. You just pointed out all these places where that is exactly what God did. Well, and even in in our conversation yesterday, you had shared uh, from Second Thessalonians mm. how there is a message about God coming to bring a comfort to those who are persecuted, his people, but that that is going to be a fiery vengeance on people who do not know God and do not obey the gospel. One of the things we need to grasp is that you cannot have God loving his people without God judging the enemies of his people. Mm-hmm. And it's almost mm-hmm. like what, what we want today is to have both, is to somehow have this issue that God is so loving that he not only loves his people, but he but He loves everybody in a sense that, look, it doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter how you lived. It doesn't matter how bad you were. It doesn't matter if you thumbed your nose at me, if you rebelled at me. It doesn't matter if you oppressed and afflicted my people. It doesn't matter if you mocked them and belittled them and avoided them. And, and ostracize them, punish them. It does not matter what you did. I'm just, I'm just going to look the other way. You, you just can't have both. The, the God of love who loves his covenant people must also judge the people who are the enemies of his covenant people. And maybe part of that reluctance to um, acknowledge God's holiness and judgment upon the wicked is because of, of a deficient understanding of conversion. Mm. You know, because what what I often hear, I think what some people say, is, is, is what you just capture. Well, God is so loving. Live however you want to live. Do whatever you want to do. Um, part of becoming a Christian, though, and taking refuge in Christ and our Savior is repentance. And so even those that come to Christ and come to his word, we, we're we not to just continue living however we live, doing whatever we want to do, and, and we know God will just take care of that or he'll look the other way. I mean, if we're going to be saved in Christ, we come to a Lord on his terms. We come into the covenant. We come we, into we come the covenant. We come take part of the right. covenant. And then we receive the covenant love and we get the blessing of being in the covenant. I think part of the problem that I have when I struggle with this, and I think this may be more than just me, is that I sit back and I think, but I love those guys. Which, I mean, don't get me wrong. Which guys? You know, the Hitlers, the Mansons, those kind of folks. I, I don't love them don't quite love so those much. Guys. You know, in fact, when it's those guys, I'm like, hey, yes, you're right. Okay, there there are a handful of people that deserve this kind of judgment. But when I realize that it's folks outside the covenant, there are folks outside the covenant that I love. Yeah. You know, some of them are friends that I admire. Uh-huh. Some of them are family members. Uh-huh. Some of them are neighbors that I have a good time with and I enjoy their presence and their company. And, you know, they're not Hitler's and Mussolini's. They're not Genghis Khan's. They're, you know, okay, look, I get it. They're not perfect. But really, honestly, some of them, I would even, compared to the ways I've behaved at times, they're they're not even as bad as I have been sometimes. And so I sit back and I say, I love these guys. Why would God do this for folks that I love? Okay, so it, it, what I'm hearing to you is that there are people who God would perceive, and I'm going to use some of this language here from Psalm 21, people whom God would perceive as enemies, Mm. I do not see them as enemies. I don't see them as enemies. I don't see them as enemies. And if I I don't see them as an enemy, then why should they be judged by God? Mm -hmm. So here's how I have to deal with that, Andrew. And that is, is that, well, look, if I really love these people, when I read a psalm like this, there's only one thing, there's only one option for me. Mm-hmm. I've got to get the message of this out to them. Mm-hmm. 
I think what I think what some are tempted to do is I, I don't like the message of Psalm 21. So what I want to do is redefine the message of Psalm 21. I don't like the message of coming judgment. So I want to redefine the coming judgment. And I will either redefine God or his nature as revealed in scripture, or I'll redefine what these things about judgment mean and, and how awful they are so that they're not quite as awful so that it fits in a, in a better picture for me so that I don't have to feel quite as uncomfortable and quite as worried about my friends. The reality is if I love these people, if I'm really going to say, but I love these people, then what I need to do is bring the gospel to these people. Absolutely. And I need to not deceive myself that I love them if I'm not going to do that. So I think about love, and there is no greater example of love in the New Testament than, of course, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Exactly. Right? And yet no one taught more about hell, this ultimate judgment of God, than Jesus Christ. He was the one that talked the most about it. Well, and one of the fascinating things to me is that for all that I hate about that subject and for all that I hate the idea of people being in hell and for all that I hate the the topic of people being judged, like this says at the end of, of Psalm 21, what I have to recognize is that God hated it more. Right. And for all that I look at folks around and say, I love them what I have to recognize is that God loves them more. God loves them more. And how do I know that? You, you just, I, I thought you were going to go here where you're talking about there's no greater example of love in the New Testament than Jesus. And, and how do I know that's the greatest example? Because I tell you what, he believed Psalm 21. Yeah. He believed, and he is the anointed. Ultimately, he is what Psalm 21 is about. Sure. He is the anointed that gets victory and brings judgment. That, that, he is the one. But what did he do? Because he hates this idea Mm -hmm. more than I do. And he loves people more than I do. So he went to the cross to save people from the last half of Psalm 21. Right. He went to the cross to get people out of that. That's how much he loved me. Yeah. That's how much he loved you. That's how much he loves everyone who's listening to this conversation. That's how much he loves... Listen, that's how much he loved Hitler. All these people that I use as my examples Mm -hmm. of folks that, yes, they should get judged, God loved them, and he sent Jesus to die for them. Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't want anyone, no matter how bad they've been, to experience this judgment, because that's how bad this judgment is. Mm -hmm. God says, I don't want him to go through that. So he sent Jesus to die for them. But what have we got? We've got people, whether they're Hitler's or Mussolini's or Manson's, or if they're just, you know, Mr. Smith down the street, who is just stiff arming God and saying, but I don't want it. Mm -hmm. I don't want the salvation you're offering. I don't want the life that you are giving. I don't want the sacrifice that Jesus gave. I don't want to be in your image. I don't want to represent you and be a part of your covenant. And and that breaks God's heart. Mm -hmm. And if I love people, then the only option I have is to get the message of this Jesus out to them, both the judgment and the salvation. Well, and it is not lessening Jesus or misunderstanding Jesus to recognize that, that there is a judgment. And as you well pointed out, it's part of his messianic work to execute a final judgment. Yes, The one who laid down his life for us to save us is also the one at the end who will call people to heaven or consign people to hell Yes, eternally. Uh, where I was going with with talking about the, the the truth that no one talked about hell more than Jesus. Oh, sorry, I that, didn't mean to distract. No, you. No, that's fine. I think you've made really great points there. 
we draw back from this fiery furnace. We draw back from a God who is is wrathful with fire. But this is our God, and it's a caricature of a God to say it's not. And and it takes away from Jesus. It takes away from his sacrifice. It takes away from his love and his motivation, okay, it, to take away these words and these truths. This is really what we're dealing with. And so, you know, I, I think you're right. The, the only answer is to tell people the truth, but, but part of it is that there is a hell. That's a very real thing. And if I can make this point, I think every one of us, I think every person recognizes that there are people who deserve this and it would be unloving because of the sins they have committed not to bring judgment against them. Mm-hmm. The big question is for us about, okay, well, where's that limit? Where's that yeah. line? See, our, our problem is not, do we believe people deserve this? Do we not believe it's our problem is not, do we really think that a God of love would never act this way? No, we, we actually believe a God of love would act this way. Our real, our real issue is with the line mm-hmm. at what point yeah. and, and what, what scares us and should scare us is that, well, the line's probably actually, well, before me. <laughs> well, it definitely is. I mean, we probably left to ourselves, we would define the line somewhere, you know, I'm safe from it. Well, right? sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but what do we read? The wages of sin is death. Sin, singular, not sins, plural. Mm-hmm. Okay? The only we one, all fall short. The only one safe from that line mm-hmm. is Jesus. Jesus Christ. Which is why he went to the cross to pull us back across the line, yeah. if you will, to pull yeah. us back. So it's a wonderful thing when I think about that. And that on, that's only a wonderful message, though, when I understand what the judgment really is. Well, it's only a real Savior if he's really saving us from something. Well, and I know we're out of time again. It's like it's like we just can't get these com- this conversation in the time slot. But, I, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I can't have it both ways. Mm. I can't have it where God is such a loving God that he just doesn't care about what a sinner I am and have the salvation of Jesus Christ on the cross. If my sin is so bad it takes Jesus dying on the cross to save me from it, then what I need to recognize is that without that death on the cross, then the judgment I would experience would be extremely awful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and we just have to understand that. And that's where the love comes in, is yeah. knowing that he was willing to save me from it, that he hated that idea of judging me like that so much that he sent Jesus. Listen, it's time to pray. Why don't you lead us in prayer? Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you for this conversation that stretched over a couple of episodes as as we have tried to grapple and and just discuss some of the things we've read about you in this psalm. We know that you're a just God, and we know that there is a judgment coming. But Father, in the face of this righteousness and yet in complete accordance with it, you are a loving, gracious, merciful God. And you have given Jesus Christ to die for us, to rise from the grave, to save us from our sins, to save us from your just judgment. We thank you for the Savior. And Father, we pray for a greater love in our hearts for our fellow men and our neighbors to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, salvation through Christ with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. 
Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne. Roll the gospel chariot along. Roll the gospel chariot along. Sing with me, Andrew. Roll the gospel chariot along. And we won't tag along behind. Okay. That's Edwin's way of saying, yes, Virginia, there will be vacation Bible school in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I we know. hope. I we know. hope. I know that you really know. are hoping so. I know that you really are oh, hoping well, so. I'm going to get you to be a song leader. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, I'm happy to lead singing at those things. Hey there, Edwin. No? <clears throat>